Welcome to episode number 21 of In the Word with Mel Bennett, a study of scripture passages from the Word of God. My name is Steve Webb, and we're so glad you're with us today. Today, Pastor Bennett will be teaching from Acts 1, 4 through 8, and 12 and 13. His subject is Seven Steps to the Spiritual Life, and today he'll talk about the third step. Do you have your Bible? Great. Let's join Pastor Mel Bennett now. Once again, thank you, Steve, and we welcome everyone to our podcast today. We're running a little bit late, but we'll get it out to you anyway, one way or the other. First of all, let me encourage you to check out all the podcasts on this uh, link and uh, listen to some of Steve's. He's got some really excellent podcasts out there, and I encourage you to listen to them. Also, I encourage you to write to us if you're enjoying the podcast send us an email, m-b-m-e-l-b-o-x at gmail.com, and I'll be glad to hear from you. Let's begin today by reading our text. Go with me to the book of Acts, chapter number 1, verses 4 through 8, 12, and 13. We're going to talk about the seven steps to the spiritual life, and we'll deal with uh, the third step today. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father hath put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. In our last message, we mentioned the fact that you cannot grow spiritually until you understand that you are in a war. This is a warfare that we are involved in. And that this war has three parts, basically. The world system opposes the heavenly standard. Secondly, the flesh opposes the spirit. And third, the devil opposes God's plan. We then discuss the first two steps of our study, faith and obedience. Today I want to take up our third step consecration, and for that we go to the book of Romans, chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2. We read these words, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Since God has displayed such mercy toward his people in bringing them salvation, he calls on them to consecrate themselves fully and completely to him. In doing this, he first puts clearly before them the general character of all Christian service. What is that general character? 
Well, the general character of all Christian service is self-consecration in our whole spirit, soul, and body, a consecration to him who has called us into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ. Notice he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, those mercies whose saving fruits have been opened up at such length that we are called upon to present free and unmerited service to God. This is not something difficult or laborious, but a privilege, an enjoyable thing. He then calls on us that you present your bodies. The word present is used in other passages as yield. So we are called to yield our bodies to God. Your bodies, that is yourselves. Your body here is considered as the organ of the inner life. It is through the body that all the evil that is in the unrenewed heart comes forth into manifestation and action. You see, it's through the body that we do things. In the same way, through the body, that all the grand, gracious principles and affections of spirituality reveal themselves in the outward life. The Christian must never forget that as corruption extends to the whole man, so does the spiritual life extend to the whole man. We can be spiritual because our bodies are given to God. A living sacrifice, a glorious contrast here is brought out. The death of one, Lamb of God taking away the sin of the world, has swept all previous sacrifices from off the altar to God to make room for the redeemed themselves. We are presented as living sacrifices to God who made Jesus to be sin for us. Every outgoing of our grateful hearts is in praise and every act prompted by the love of Christ is itself a sacrifice to God of a sweet-smelling savor. It is our joy to be living sacrifices to God. Then he says, Holy, believers yielding themselves to God as those that are alive from the dead and their members are as instruments of righteousness unto God are in his estimation holy and therefore acceptable or well-pleasing unto God. Not as the Levitical offerings were pleasing to God, but believers in their renewed character and blessed relationship to God through his Son Jesus Christ are objects of divine pleasure when presenting to him their bodies a living and holy sacrifice. The writer then goes on to say, which is your reasonable service? This is in contrast with the ceremonial character of the Levitical worship. This presentation of ourselves as living sacrifices of redeeming mercy and as divine property in the highest sense is here called worship, for that is truly what our service to God becomes. So the word service and worship can become interchangeable here. Service indeed it is, yet not that of a servant, but of a priest, for as all believers are priests unto God, so our whole Christian life is just a continuous exercise of this exalted priesthood. Listen to what the Bible says. Ye are a royal priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In the next verse, the same great worship of self-consecration is instructed under another aspect. The apostle had bidden us present our bodies a living sacrifice to God. But since it is by our bodies that we move about and mix in society and come in contact with all various phases of life, 
How then are we to carry out our Christianity in the evil world around us? Well, that's the next big question. The next verse gives us both a negative and positive answer to this question. Listen to what he says. He says, And be not conformed to this world, or don't fashion yourselves according to the pattern of this world. Don't live like the world does. This is the great temptation of life, to pattern our life after the world so that we are accepted by the world. Remember, we are in a war, and the world system is fighting against the heavenly standard. That standard should be the pattern for our lives. But he says in positive, but be ye transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind. What is here instructed is not a mere outward look of conformity to the ungodly world, many of whose actions in themselves may be virtuous and praiseworthy, but rather an inward spiritual transformation as makes the whole life new, new in its motives and ends, new as to be wholly unattainable except through the constraining power of the love of Jesus Christ. He says then that you may prove or discern what is that good and acceptable, the good and well-pleasing and perfect will of God. For who could doubt that what is the will of God is acceptable to him? Rather, the will of God, which believers are experimentally to prove, is said to have three characteristics to recommend it. It is good as it demands only what is essentially and unchangeably good. Secondly, it is well-pleasing, in contrast with all that is irrational, as demanding only what God has eternal satisfaction in. And thirdly, it is perfect, as it requires nothing else than the perfection of God. But what is that conformity to the world which Christians are to avoid? That is the general course of or way of life, which characterizes the children of this world, who mind earthly things. Not being spiritual themselves, they can have no sympathy with anything spiritual. Their ambitions, interests, and affections are all bounded by and centered in the world which passes away, the Bible says. The children of light, in contrast, being risen with Christ, have a life of their own, the life of sinners saved by the grace of God. Renewed in the spirit of their mind, they breathe a new air. They have new interests and affections, and their compassions are all spiritual and heavenly. Since then, these two classes of mankind are so contrary, the one to the other. What real fellowship can either have with the other? The believer cannot possibly have conformity in spirit with the unbeliever, and the unbeliever cannot have conformity with the believer without grieving the Holy Spirit of God by whom they have been sealed unto the day of redemption. But, after all, the true preservatives of believers against conformity to the world is to be renewed in the spirit of their mind. This is the great general work of Christian life, the all-inclusive business of the redeemed. We are called to live according to the heavenly standard, and we are given the Holy Spirit to help us praise God. This, then, is the third step in reaching true spiritual life, consecration. Recently, I found a beautiful old hymn that we used to sing a lot in the church. It's called Since I Have Been Redeemed. It was written by Edwin O. Excel in 1894. I found, as I searched, nothing else about Edwin O. Excel except that he had written this great song, 
So listen to the words. He says, I have a song I love to sing since I have been redeemed of my Redeemer, Savior, King, since I have been redeemed. The Course says, since I have been redeemed. Since I have been redeemed, I will glory in His name. Since I have been redeemed, I will glory in the Savior's name. Verse number two, I have a Christ who satisfies since I have been redeemed to do His will my highest prize since I have been redeemed. I have a witness, bright and clear, verse three says, since I have been redeemed, dispelling every doubt and fear since I have been redeemed. Verse number four, I have a home prepared for me since I have been redeemed where I shall dwell eternally since I have been redeemed. Verse 5, I have a joy I can't express since I have been redeemed all through his blood and righteousness since I have been redeemed. And then the chorus again says, since I have been redeemed, since I have been redeemed, I will glory in his name. Since I have been redeemed, I will glory in my Savior's name. Let's pray, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, we humbly bow ourselves before you. We ask, O God, that we learn the path to the upper room, the path to spiritual life of consecration. Lord, we've talked about faith and obedience, but without consecration to God, without the dedication of our lives to Him, our bodies given over to God, we are nothing and we can do nothing. We will be nothing. So, Lord, help us today to find that path of great joy in following Jesus in the path of consecration. Help us to walk with you and to follow you all the days of our life. Lord, if somebody is listening to us today who has never received you as their Savior, I pray that they will ask Jesus to come into their heart and into their life right now. Lord, do it, I pray. Come into their life. Cause a change to begin right now. And we'll give you the glory, the praise, and the honor. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have you been consecrated? Redeemed? Oh, I hope so. If not, then there is no time like the present. Pray and ask Jesus to be your Redeemer, your Savior. You'll never regret that decision, I guarantee it. As Pastor said in today's introduction, you can write to him at mbmelbox at gmail.com or perhaps an easier address is pastorb at lifespringmedia.com. With either address, he will get your email. I appreciate Pastor Bennett's recommendation that you check out the other podcasts we have at lifespringmedia.com. There are over 2,100 episodes there, and one of the shows is called The Lifespring Family Audio Bible. It's a daily podcast where we are reading through the Bible in a year. Each episode is anywhere from about 10 to 30 minutes long, depending on that day's reading. And after the Bible reading each day, I have some comments about what we've read. If you've never read the entire Bible, this can be a great way to do it. The schedule I'm following is somewhat unique. On Sundays, we read from the Epistles, Monday from the Law, Tuesday from one of the books of history, on Wednesday from the Psalms, on Thursdays from one of the books of poetry, Fridays from one of the books of prophecy, and Saturday from the Gospels. As I said, over the course of a year, we'll have read the entire Bible. I hope you'll check it out. That's the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.